Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So Matthew chapter 28 is where we're at this morning. There have been many movements over the course of history that have changed the world forever. You just think about the Renaissance, which started in the 14th century, which sparked a revival of art and literature and science and philosophy, which laid the foundation for Western civilization and technological advancement as we know it today. You can think of the Age of Enlightenment, which started in the 17th century, which advanced the notions of reason and science and individual rights, leading to democracy and the secularization of today. You look at the American Revolution and how it changed the world and led other nations to pursue pursue revolution as well, like France immediately after. And imagine how different the world would be if the King of England was on all of our money right now and we drank tea. Boo, that's right. And we called French fries chips, right? Be weird. The Industrial Revolution, starting in the 18th century, dramatically changed the world. On the one hand, we saw the invention of the mass production of the factory, of manufacturing, of getting things made and shipped quickly in record time. That changed the world, but it also changed us from an agricultural society to an industrial one. It took fathers out of homes and sent them to work, where fathers used to be primary virtue and disciples of their homes. Now dad was gone. It changed the world. We can speak of today, we can speak of the civil rights movement, we can speak of apartheid, we can speak of the environmentalism movement, we can talk about the LGBTQ movement, right? Not all movements are great. There have been many movements that have changed the world, but one movement stands apart from all the rest as the most world-altering, the most important, most consequential, and it was a movement that way back then they simply called the way. Jesus commissioned all of his followers to take his message, a message that we call the gospel, the good news, the forgiveness of sins and the kingdom of God coming, to take that message to the ends of the earth and people from all walks of life. And these guys, they didn't have cars, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have airplanes, they didn't have a printing press, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have a train to get on, but somehow they took this message of the gospel from Jerusalem to the edges of the known world, and it grew like wildfire. It took off. It went everywhere they went, it took off. And for 2,000 years, 
the followers of Jesus continue that mission. Continue the co-mission that Jesus has given us. The mission to tell every person about the good news that God has come to make all things new, to be our Lord and our Savior. And now we stand here, members of that great family, of that great tradition, of that great mission. And we, just like the disciples of old, have this commission to take the gospel to every lost person and make disciples. And now we have more tools than ever in the history of the world. We have more ability and more resources and more time, and we can travel further, cheaper, and quicker. Yet, many of us in this room who have followed Jesus for a long time have never shared the gospel with someone outside of our family. My goal today, church, is to reawaken us to the central calling as Christians. The central, most basic, most uh, important, faithful calling of Jesus to his disciples. Not, this is not in, a, in an attempt to guilt you into obedience, but simply to remind us. To remind us of our commissioning, of our sending off of our mission, our central calling from the Lord, and that is a calling to be a disciple maker. Starting in verse 19, we see, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The first thing I want to focus on is the word go. And the first thing I want you to see is that going requires intentionality. Going requires intentionality. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time, no one goes anywhere without at least a little bit of forethought and planning, right? We're intentional about where we go and what we do. Now, sometimes that's not true. Like, sometimes on a whim, like, you know, you're like, hey, you know what? I know we had dinner plans, but let's go Chick-fil-A. And we're like, heck yeah, bless God. Let's go get some God chicken, you know? And you just throw out your plans, and you go do that on a whim. Sometimes that's the case. But for most things, for bigger things, for heavier things, for scary things, for detailed things, we typically have some forethought, have some planning. When we go on vacation, you know, like, we're planning out where am I going to stay, what road am I going to take to get there, we got a budget, how much are we going to spend on this trip. And before you go, you intentionally think about all of those things and what it's going to take for you to go do this thing. And after planning, after being intentional, you initiate it and you go. But, but, but for far too long, for far too long, our plan for sharing the gospel with someone has been, well, when the opportunity just happens to arise, I'll share the gospel. Instead of going and looking and being intentional and planning and, and strategizing and praying and thinking, we said, well, yeah, when, when, when the opportunity falls in my lap, I'll share the gospel. When the opportunity smacks me in the face, we share the gospel. Or at least we, we think we would be willing to. Sometimes even that happens and we're like, oh, I wasn't ready. Too soon. Too much. But guys, that is not going. That is waiting. And we have not been commanded to wait. We've been commanded to go. He did not say, wait, therefore, for people to come ask you about me and then tell them to do all that I've commanded you. Baptizing them. He said, go. And going requires intentionality. It requires forethought. It requires planning. It requires being intentional. 
And we get being intentional, right? We understand that. We are intentional all the time. When we want to do something, when we care about something, when we want to have someone over for dinner, when we want to have a game night, when we want to go to a concert, when we want to work on a project around our house, anything we plan, we are intentional. We take the steps necessary to accomplish the thing that we want to do. We mow the yard, right? We have a plan. Hey, honey, I'm going to come home. We're going to eat dinner. I'm going to mow the yard because it's got to get done. Well, it rained, so I didn't get to it, so I'm intentionally rescheduling the time to mow the yard. But now my, my 10-year-old can mow the yard, so I'm just like, hey, you go mow the yard. But I'm intentional about telling her to go mow the yard. You are intentionally working towards something. We do this in everything in our life, but we are failing at doing this with the most important calling. From our king to share his message with the world. This calling to go and make disciples, to proclaim the gospel to all nations, is not a calling or a commissioning that is for the super spiritual people. This is not a calling or a commissioning for pastors and staff and people who get paid by the church. This is a commissioning and a mission to every Christian that has ever been. And it's not an optional mission. It's not, hey, if you're really gifted, hey, if you are really extroverted, Hey, if you're really good with people, go do this. No, this is to every one of us, and it is a command on us. But how we have failed to embody this directive. You know, the other day I told one of my kids to, uh, I said, hey, honey, uh, would you please go upstairs and clean your room? We have company coming over, uh, and your room looks like a tornado hit it. So will you please go clean your room? And uh, she, co- she goes up there. She comes back an hour or so later. And she says, okay, Dad, it's done. I say, great. And I go up there and look at it, and it looks exactly the same. It's like, did you touch anything? Did you, did you do anything? What happened? I thought you went to go clean your room. Uh, and she said, well, Dad, I came up here and I thought about what you said and I memorized it. And she said, I know what you said. You said, hey, honey, please go to your room, go upstairs, clean your room. We have company coming over and it looks like a tornado hit it. I got it, Dad. That didn't actually happen. She's really good at cleaning her room. But imagine if she did. Imagine she went up there and she memorized what I said and didn't actually do the thing. Is that not what we do? Is that not what we have done? Our whole, if you grew up in church, we've, mem- we've memorized all these verses, and it's a good thing to memorize verses. I'm not saying it's bad. We should do that. But we've memorized this verse from Matthew chapter 28. Go, therefore, in all nations, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that. But what use is it to have it memorized if we don't do it? It's useless. I could care less if my daughter memorized what I told her to do about cleaning her room. I wanted her to clean her room. What good is knowing the words if we don't do the words? When Jesus said go, he commissioned you. He sent you. We are a sent people. But instead, too often, we are like soldiers who have been sent on a mission. But when we arrived on scene, we haven't done the mission, and we've just been waiting for the mission to come to us. Here's my point. If we are going to obey Jesus and actually share the gospel and make disciples, we can't wait for someone to come to us and say, hey, would you tell me about Jesus? I'm really curious, and I'd really like to know what this thing called the gospel is. And like, there's something about a cross and a resurrection. Can you tell me about that? Like, that's never going to happen. Instead, we have to wake up every day and pray, God, would you place someone in my path, very obviously, that I might share the gospel with them and give me the courage to actually do it. Two weeks ago, I was meeting over at Winans with a missionary from Morocco. Morocco is a country that is, uh, it is illegal to have a church, it is illegal to tell people about Jesus, like they will deport you or throw you in jail. 
uh, if they catch you doing that. Some, he told me about how some Americans had recently uh, come to the country uh, to you know, try to share the gospel, and they were out on the street handing out Bibles, uh, and within minutes, they were rounded up by the police, and they were sent home. And so he was telling me about how they have to work really, really hard to find ways to talk about Jesus to people where they're not going to get thrown in jail or deported, and they can actually talk to Jesus about them and, and, and get that. So they have to be really intentional. They've come up with strategies and ways to do that and ways to meet people and ways to talk about Jesus and ways to figure that out. And if they're not super, super intentional about going about that, they would literally never, ever share Jesus with anyone. They've got to get up every day thinking about how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to make this happen? How are we going to find someone today that wants to know about Jesus or is at least open to hearing it without reporting me? And that's not just true for them. That's true for us. In a place where we're not going to be in prison for it, and it's true for us too. That if we don't wake up intentionally thinking, how am I going to do this, we simply won't do it. A core value of our church that we've got to learn to live up to is every member a missionary. Every member a missionary. And just like these guys in Morocco, just like missionaries around the world, you are a missionary, a missionary in your home to your kids, a missionary uh, at your work, a missionary on the playground, a missionary at the ball field. Wherever you go, God is, you, you are going there as a sent person, sent on mission. You don't, you're not just going to watch the ball game. You're going because there are parents on those bleachers with you who are lost and headed for hell, and God has sent you to them. And we cannot remain silent. Charles Spurgeon once said, the great preacher of the 1700s, 1800s, he said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. First time I ever heard that, it was super convicting and super like, oh my gosh. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. There are not some Christians who are missionaries and some who are not. Every one of us is. And the only question is, it's not have we been sent by God. The only question is, are we completing our mission or not? Or are we hoping someone else will do it for us? Are we living as a sent people? The second thing I want us to see is that we are called to make disciples, not converts. All right, so first, we're, we're, we're called to go. we got to go intentionally, got to go do this thing. But as we go, we're called to make disciples, not merely converts. All right, Jesus commanded us saying, go therefore and make disciples. So we don't just go with the intention of, 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 of telling someone about Jesus. We go with the intention of developing someone into a fully mature follower of Jesus. If it is true that we as the American church have not been good at personal evangelism, personally sharing the gospel, it might be because we do not see our job as the ones who need to go and share the gospel and lead people to Christ. Instead, we might see our jobs as, I'll go invite people to church. We see our jobs as, I'll invite someone to church, and then they'll hear the gospel there. The professionals, someone else will tell them. I'll get them in the door, and then someone else will tell them about Jesus. But I'm not saying don't invite people to church. Please do. Please do. But, you sh but you've not been commanded by Jesus to invite people to church. You've been commanded to make disciples. You personally have. And I want you to know, when you hear that command, that you are called to go make disciples, I want you to hear me say, that you can do it. Like you really can. I really believe you can do it. Like you have everything you need. And if you don't feel confident from like a knowledge perspective, we can fix that really, really quickly. 
If you are saved, if you understand and know the gospel, you do not have to be some professional theologian. You don't have to be able to argue well. All you have to be able to do is tell someone about how Jesus has changed your life. Talk about yourself and what Jesus has done in your life and how he has died for your sin and risen from the dead. And how he can for, he's forgiven your sins and he can forgive theirs and make them new. Your job isn't to just make them a convert. Your job isn't to just save people. You can't save anyone. Your job is to share the message. But when someone does believe, when you work up that courage and you go do it and you begin flexing those muscles and someone does believe, your job then has just begun. You see, the moment of conversion or, or their baptism, the celebrating of this new life they have in Jesus, is not the touchdown. It's not the end of the ball game. It's not, yes, it's over. It's the kickoff. It's the whistle has been blown and the game has begun. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of the journey. I say our job is making disciples, not converts, because when someone comes to Christ, the work is really just beginning. Because now what you have this person, right, who's come to Jesus, and let's say they're 30 years old. They've come to know Jesus for the first time. Well, now they've got new eyes. They see everything differently. They've got new ears. They hear everything differently. They have a new heart. They feel and interpret and everything differently. They are an infant in Christ who has to learn to walk for the first time, who has to learn to be fed and nurtured for the first time, and they are like an infant, they are completely dependent on someone else to take care of them, to teach them the ways of the way. They don't know anything. All they know is they got to come to church, and maybe they don't even know that. And so who is it that is going to teach them, that's going to raise them up, that's going to train them up? Who is going to disciple them? Well, for a long time, the answer has been, well, send them to church. The church does stuff. What? Go there. Go. But that's not what Jesus commanded. Jesus commanded you to, for you to go and make disciples. Not for you to go share the gospel and then send them off to some program. But you. You know, the most helpful time in my life of discipleship was when uh, an older gentleman in our church who kind of became to me a father in the Lord uh, took me under his wing and intentionally uh, had a one-on-one discipling relationship with me. Uh, over meals, uh, in his home, by reading books together, reading the Bible together, through conversation, through him holding me accountable and asking me about my sin struggles, through intentionally meeting together. He instructed me and in what it meant for me to grow in the Lord and follow Jesus. I was 16, he was like 55. We became great friends and he was my mentor, he was my discipler. That discipling relationship changed my life. And here's what I want you guys to know. You can do that. You are capable of doing that. Some of you would be amazing at that. That what this guy did for me that you could do for someone else. There are some older saints here and that God is calling you to come up to Ryan, our youth minister, and to say, Ryan, introduce me to the young people because I want to get to know them and see if I can find someone that I might build a relationship with and disciple. But not even just our youth. Some of you need to go find a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old who is an infant or a child in the Lord and begin to walk with them and disciple them and train them up. Because how are they supposed to learn to read the Bible? How are they supposed to learn how to share the gospel? How are they supposed to learn to pray? How are they supposed to learn to follow Jesus and obey him? The church is supposed to come alongside you. We're a part of this. We as individuals have been commissioned. 
We do some things at the church that are helpful. But we also have to do it as individuals. Our job is to come on Sunday morning and to be refreshed and to be challenged, to be taught, so that we can then turn around and go out during the week and make disciples, to take people who are dead in their sin, to take them from that point to maturity in Christ. And so then we come back on Sunday exhausted and worn out and beat down. We come and we get encouraged and refreshed and challenged again. And then we go out again to do it again. That's what we're supposed to do. And guys, you can do it. I truly believe you can. The only reason that you are not doing that, not sharing the gospel, not discipling someone, is because you have not flexed those muscles, either in a long time or ever. And so now they're atrophied. And you think, man, I couldn't lift that weight. I can't do that. But, but you can't. You got to start small, maybe. But you can do it. You, you can do it. You can do more than invite people to church. You can meet someone new, get to know them, share Jesus with them, lead them to faith, and begin to be their spiritual father or mother in the Lord and disciple them. Imagine with me for a moment how our church and how our community and how our families would change if we took this calling from Jesus very seriously and actually did it. Not only would lots of people come to know Jesus, but they would grow in maturity and it would change communities. It would change neighborhoods. It would change families. You want to change the world? You want to change the world? It's not going to happen through politics. It is not going to happen through voting the right person into power. You want to change the world? It happens by normal, everyday people like you going and making disciples. If you have kids, you are already making disciples because it is your job to disciple your children. Our church comes alongside to help you, but you are the primary influence on your kids. And you are either doing a good job at discipling them or a poor one. But you are discipling them, for good or bad. What we need to do is to take the next step and realize that we can disciple more than just our kids. We can actually make disciples of other the Lord's would send us to. So we don't just make converts, we make disciples, and we're called to do that. Number three, we don't stop until everyone has heard the gospel. We don't stop until everyone has heard the gospel. We've got to intentionally go, and we've got to build and make disciples, and we cannot stop until everyone has heard. This command, go and make disciples, he says, of all nations. These early disciples took this quite literally, quite seriously, and they didn't stay in Jerusalem. Uh, or they didn't even stay in Israel for that matter. Right? They started traveling. Paul, over the course of his life, took three missionary journeys uh, across the known world, sharing the gospel, making disciples, planting churches. Three mission trips doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're traveling on foot or horseback, it takes a long time to get around the known world. And so he spent years and years traveling, sharing the gospel, making disciples, planting churches. The reason we must go to all nations is because God's people are made up of every tribe, language, and nation. Jesus is the Lord of the whole earth and everyone in it. And also, we are called to go to all nations because apart from Christ, all of those people around the world, and even the people in our neighborhoods, are without hope apart from Christ. If someone dies apart from the gospel, apart from knowing Christ, even if they've never heard of Christ, they don't get a free pass. Ignorance is not a free pass to heaven. Without Jesus, you will face judgment. And not knowing Jesus does not exempt you from judgment. Like we talked about last week when we said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. He is the only way. You might believe in God, but Jews apart from Christ go to hell. 
You might believe in God, but apart from Christ, we'll go to hell. And so we got to go to all nations because it's the only way. It is the reason that our church over the past years have gone to places like Uganda and in Toronto and taking mission trips through mission serve to different states so that we might go and serve people and share the gospel with them. It is the reason that we are looking even now to find partners around the world that we might help plant churches in parts of the world where there is little to no church presence because we want to be a part of making disciples across the world. It is the reason we are Southern Baptists. Not because we live in the South, because we don't. Y'all say pop, and it's weird. And now I'm saying it. Y'all messed me up. My mom's getting mad at me for saying pop. We are Southern Baptists because as we give to that organization, we are raising up missionaries to the International Mission Board, sending missionaries around the world, funding the work that they're doing around the world. We have a hand in that. We have been commissioned by our king to make disciples of all nations, and our job is not done, and we cannot rest until that task is complete. We do not retire from the work of the gospel. We do not retire from the work of mission until we retire in the grave. This is a God-sized task to take the gospel to the nations, a task we cannot accomplish in our own abilities, but God has not left us. He's not just said, hey, go do this. Good luck. He has sent us not to stand on our own wisdom, our own authority. He has sent us with his. The next thing you need to know is that we go with the authority of Jesus. When we go and share the gospel, we go with the authority of Jesus. I want to go back for a moment. Let's go up the verse. When you read verse 19, we read the word therefore. And anytime uh, we see the word therefore, we ask the question, what is it there for? Uh, <laughs> because... It come, we see it therefore, it, it means something before it is setting the stage for what he's now said. All right, so when we have this command to go make disciples, he says, therefore go do this. Well, based on what? Based on what are we now going to share the gospel with the world? In verse 18 he says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Jesus is giving this command to go for us to go and make disciples of the world. He is giving it as one who has all the authority. He has absolute authority. He has the resurrected rightful king of the universe. His authority is absolute and we see his authority on display, right? We see that he has authority over nature because he calmed the storms and calmed the seas. He has authority over disease because he healed the sick. He has authority over demons because he commanded them and they obeyed. He has authority over sin because he alone says he can forgive sin and does. He alone has authority over death because he calls what is dead back to life. He has authority over the nations because all people are his creation. He has authority over our lives and he commands us and we should respond in glad submission. And so when he sends us on mission as one under authority, he sends us with his authority. Jesus' authority is the basis for us accepting and completing the task to make disciples. If Jesus had no authority, why in the world am I listening to him? But because of his authority, his absolute authority over everything, that's the basis for us accepting this mission and completing it to make disciples. It is the basis for accepting such a task because if you asked me to do it, it would be a big no, thank you. But when Jesus asks, we come in glad submission. But it is also the basis for completing the task. 
Jesus has not asked us to do something we cannot accomplish. He has not sent us out on a failed errand, or he's not sent us alone. He goes with us. He sends his spirit. Remember we read Acts 1-8 at the beginning of the service? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And so he goes, the Spirit prepares hearts and minds of those who've gone before us. So that when we go share the gospel with them, they're ready and he's with us. The task will be accomplished because the king who has absolute authority has decreed it will be accomplished. You will do it. He has people all over the world. And the accomplishing is not ever, um, it's not, that is, the accomplishing of this task is not that every person is going to be saved. We know that that is not the case and that's not going to happen. It's already not happened. The accomplishing is that there would be disciples made in every nation in the world. And it is an amazing thing that we have the task of building and making and developing and training disciples in every people group of the world, every nation of the world. And yet, today, in the year of our Lord, 2023, there are 2 billion people, with a B, 2 billion people who are unreached. When I say unreached, I don't mean lost. I mean they've never heard the gospel. You ask them who Jesus is, they'd say, I don't, I don't know, who's that? Is that your friend? I don't know who that is. They don't, they don't know anything about them. There are 2 billion people unreached, and there are 7,400 unreached people groups, meaning these groups of people have no idea about the gospel or who Jesus is. So our work is not even close to being finished. And that's our task, our job, being commissioned by Jesus that we would go do that. And when we go do that, we go do that with his authority. We don't go telling people our opinion, right? We don't go telling people our thoughts or our feelings. We go instead as ambassadors. We go speaking on behalf of the king of the universe. We are his agents telling the world this new king has come. We go telling them that the king is coming to make all things new. That he's coming to grant pardons to everyone. I want you to think about this. How is it that you get to go up to somebody and tell them, if you believe this message, your sins will be forgiven? Like, who the heck are you that you can tell them that God's going to forgive them? You can do that only because the authority of Jesus has been granted to you to go speak on his behalf. You are an ambassador speaking on behalf of God, and he's granted us the authority to tell people that if they believe this message, their sins will be forgiven and they'll be brought into the family of God. You have been given this sort of authority. And so we are like ambassadors, and our churches are like embassies. We are like a refuge of rest. Uh, we are like the light in the darkness. We don't Remember the old song? Hide your light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. That's our task. That's our job to go and shine the light of the world so that we might be a lighthouse of refuge and turbulent seas showing the way out. We go with the authority of Jesus. And so we can proclaim this truth, not our opinion, not our thoughts. His authority has sent us. And so when we speak, we speak on behalf of God. If you believe, your sins will be forgiven. That's crazy. But it's awesome, and we've been sent with that. We don't speak on our own authority. We speak on his behalf. We are God's ambassadors speaking on his behalf. 
So we go and we accomplish this God-given assignment because Jesus has given us the authority to do so. Remember when Jesus gave the disciples authority? to go. He's like, he just sent them out one time. He's like, hey, guys, y'all go to that town, preach about me, and cast out demons. And if you've watched The Chosen, they're like, what? Can we do that? <laughs> like, I just can imagine being a disciple. Like, you want me to cast out what? And like, I don't know how to do that. Right? But Jesus gave them the authority to do it, and so they did it. Jesus has given us the authority to go speak on his behalf and make disciples. And you know what that means? You can do it. Finally, you can't replicate what you don't know. You can't replicate what you don't know. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So your job is to go make disciples, to be intentional and to go make disciples of every nation. I want you to notice two quick things. Number one. Everyone, every Christian should be a teacher because every Christian should be a disciple maker. Now, there are lots of different kinds of teaching. And by this, I'm not saying that every one of us should be able to formally get in a classroom and be able to teach. Everyone doesn't have that gifting. Not everyone's called to do that. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is everyone is called to teach in the sense that everyone can show other people what they do, what I do. I can show you what I do. If you're a parent, you're a teacher, right? You're teaching your kids how to use the bathroom, how to put clothes on. You're teaching them how to talk. You're teaching them to be polite. You're teaching them how to make a PB&J so you can take a break from making all the PB&Js. They don't come out of the womb knowing those things. They come out of the womb and you teach them everything. So parents, you're already teachers. Because you've taught it. And in the same way, you can teach other people who Jesus is, how to follow them. You can teach that because you're doing it yourself. Or you should be. And so you can say, that's what Paul says all the time. Several of the New Testament writers say all the time, right? They say, imitate Christ by imitating me. You want to follow Christ? Well, do what I do and you'll be doing that. And so it doesn't have to look like a classroom it looks like casual conversations over a cup of coffee. It looks like asking questions. So tell me about your Bible reading this week and what you learned. And start walking through that and what that means. You can make disciples. You can teach. Because it's a lot more just normal everyday life than we make it out to be. The second thing I want you to see is that you can only teach others what you already know. Jesus' command is that you teach others to observe all that he's commanded you. Well, how can you teach others what you do not know? How can you teach others to follow commands you don't know exist? You can only know the commands of Jesus if you know them, and you can only know them if you are a student yourself of his word. But even more than that, if you are trying to disciple someone, it's not just about the head. It's not just about knowledge. It certainly is that, but it doesn't stop there. That knowledge moves to obedience. It moves to action. And Jesus says to teach them to observe everything. That is, teach them to do everything that I have commanded you to do. Your life is a testament and a model of what it means to follow Jesus. Some of y'all models are good. Some of y'all models need a little extra super glue. Like you need, you need to fix them up a little bit. See, because here's the point. You do not reproduce what you say. You reproduce who you are. And that's true for your kids, and that's true for everyone that you are trying to be an influence on and disciple. You can say one thing, but they will become who you are. People do, you do not reproduce just the things you say, you reproduce who you are. And so people that are looking up to you, and they look at you and they say, this is what a Christian is. This is what a Christian looks like. This is what following Jesus looks like. So I'm going to go be like them. 
So here's the question I want you to think about as we close. If every lost person around you, at work, in your home, in your family, <clears throat> your friends, your neighbors, if every lost person around you, and there's a lot of them, if they all became Christians and they began to follow Jesus exactly the way you do, would God be pleased by the quality of disciples you've made? If everyone around you began to follow Jesus like you do, would Jesus be pleased by the quality of disciples you've made? You see, you cannot make deep, faithful, obedient disciples of Jesus unless you are one of them yourself. Because you won't reproduce what you tell them, you'll reproduce what you are and how you live. I want you to know, church, that we have all been commanded by our king to go make disciples. We've memorized this verse. We know this verse. We know this command. But it is useless to know it unless we actually do it. And to actually do it, we got to actually be intentional. We got to wake up. We got to pray. And we got to have a plan. We got to have a plan of action. And we got to go execute that plan. And if we don't do that, we're just going to, we're not going to be going. We're going to be waiting. And a church that waits is a church that dies. But a church that goes, is a church that can reach the nations and see revival in its communities, revival in people's homes, and revival across the world. Let's be that church. I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's intimidating. But those weights aren't as heavy as you think. You've just not been lifting them. But you got to start somewhere. Because this isn't an optional command. This isn't a command for the super spiritual people out there. This is a command for all of us who follow Jesus to go make disciples of all nations. So let's get to it. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you entrusted us with such a big task. We don't know why we were counted worthy to uh, take this message to the nations, but we're thankful that you entrusted it to us. And Father, I want to be the first to admit that I have often failed at carrying out the task you've given me. The task to go and share the gospel and make disciples. And so, Father, first and foremost, would you forgive me for my failure in that? And would you work in me the boldness and confidence and courage to, to be able to go and, and to share the gospel with people and to make disciples of people that I've not even met yet? And, Father, would you help make us a church that takes this calling seriously, that wakes up with intentionality, that actually thinks about the people that they work with and say, who here is a Christian and who here is not? And who here needs to hear this message? And how can I get into a conversation with them? And how can I talk about Jesus with them? And how can I lead them to it? And how can I answer their questions? And how, how do I get there? Help us to be that intentional. Father, would you, would you lay that burden of that commission on our hearts so heavy that we will not stop until we do it? And then when we do it, we realize... Oh, that wasn't so bad. That was kind of great, actually. And we can do it again and again and again and again. God, give us that ability to do it. And Father, for those people in this room right now, who this is not their task because they don't belong to you. They don't go make disciples because they're not a disciple themselves. Would you save them this morning? If that's you this morning, I want you to know that God loves you. And then he sent his son to die for you that your sins can be forgiven. You can have a blank slate with him this morning. You can be made his child. You can be set free. You can 
be known and loved all at the same time if you come to know him. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, if you want me to pray with you about having the boldness to go share the gospel, if you want to pray about a specific person in your life that you've been trying to share the gospel with or you have and they're just not receiving it, you want to pray with that, I man, I would be honored if I could pray with that about that for you and with you. I'm going to stand over here to the left. If you need to pray, I want to, want to be there for you now. God, give us the courage to respond to a message like this with haste and seriousness. To not just be another sermon of something else I'm not going to do, but to be a sermon that says, man, i gotta, I got to go. i got to be a person who lives sent. God, don't let us forget this or move past this. Let us worm its way deep in our heart and not let us rest until we do it. Father, help us to be that kind of church, a great commission church that takes the gospel everywhere we go. Let us live like missionaries. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. All those people said, let's stand together.